1: And welcome to the Explaining History podcast. And the thing I'm going to talk about today is the plethora of um, writers and correspondents who find themselves in the Soviet Union. These are writers and correspondents from Britain and America. Who find themselves in the Soviet Union at the time of the February and the October revolutions and later the Russian Civil War. Now, the reason why I think it's important to talk about um, these writers is that much of what is written on the Russian Revolution in the English language is obviously written from an external perspective. It is written by um, English and um, British and American scholars who look at the Soviet Union from the outside. And the first chroniclers of the development of, um, firstly, Bolshevik and then later Soviet Russia were that uh, the, the uh, Western audiences were able to um, interact with, um, were writers, uh, very often um, quite uh, adventurous, um, risk-taking individuals who saw the revolution close up. Many of them, uh, such as Arthur Ransom and John Reed, who I'm going to talk about particularly in this account, really embraced what the Bolsheviks stood for, um, and others had a perhaps more um, sceptical uh, view. But certainly um, what they had to relay back to Western audiences shaped a generation uh, in the 20s and 30s who became part of the fellow traveller movement. Now, I've done a podcast a while back on the fellow travellers and they can be um, explained really as uh, non-communist party members but members of the of uh, intellectual circles uh, which were sympathetic to the uh, communist cause in Russia who um, travelled to Russia And made uh, a good account of Stalinism. And they were, um, their their predecessors really are this this generation of journalistic writers. So the first um, person we're going to look at today is Arthur Ransom, who's more famously known as the writer of the uh, 1930s children's stories, Swallows and Amazons. But in 1913, he left to go to Russia to ply his trade as a correspondent and he later becomes the Manchester Guardian's man in Russia during the First World War, Um, a a stringer correspondent, Um, and he had given little indication that he had uh, any particularly radical political views. He was the son of a history professor who'd been educated well at rugby public school, something he apparently didn't enjoy very much, and became a a writer in London, um, getting into all sorts of trouble um, when he published a biography of Oscar Wilde um, and uh, was sued for libel uh, by one of Wilde's uh, aristocratic lovers. It was while he was in Russia that he uh, became more and more interested in British Labour politics and uh, revolutionary politics um, and it must be, I mean, this is before 1917, so this is before really um, uh, the uh, the Bolsheviks have any kind of hold on the public consciousness throughout the um, First World War. There are very few Bolsheviks actually in Russia, most of them are in exile, and there are a handful, such as Stalin and uh, Kamenev, in Siberia. So... Um, the idea that uh, Ransom has some kind of moment of conversion, uh, because red flags start to appear on the streets of Petrograd during 1917—that's that's not credible. It must be that there were um, overt currents of radical politics running through Russian society throughout the First World War, so overt that a um, an a, a, a moderately skilled russian speaker which ransom was he was learning all the time was able to to access them and that kind of i guess gives us a bit of a clue as well um about the um the process of politicalization and radicalization in russia during the first world war you know if ransom could uh, engage with it then how were russians uh, ever an educated standing engaging with it Most of the press back home in Britain were um, sympathetic towards the uh, anti-communist and the anti-Bolshevik forces that eventually, after 1919, develop into the white armies. Um, And there is a a widespread horror after October 1917 at the emergence of of the Bolsheviks. Um, There were a number of journalists in Russia, Ransom included, that had a slightly different take. They looked at the um, hardships inflicted on the Russian soldiers, and they could see us up close and see you know, battered and exhausted soldiers getting off uh, long trains to and from the front. And they thought it was simply unrealistic that these men should be forced to fight the Germans. They thought that um, it would be better for Russia to sign a peace and get herself out of the war, purely from the point of view of the the, the men who are impacted hardest – the uh, common foot soldiers um, of the Tsar's armies and then later the provisional government's armies um, having to to take the impact of this. So it was from a kind of a very compassionate standpoint um, that people like Ransom uh, formed their views of the Bolsheviks. They knew that the provisional government had no chance of winning the war. And they knew that also the provisional government had no chance of extricating Russia from the war. So uh, Ransom really asked, well, what is the point of the provisional government? You need a government to do one of two things. Ransom himself had lost a brother um, on the Western Front, and uh, he was no fan of the Germans. And quite a loyal um, British patriot. Um, he was... It was, it's not a, um, a valid critique of Ransom to suggest that because eventually he becomes a supporter of the Bolsheviks, that he was in some way anti-Britain, far from it. I mean, he believed that his his kind of um, affiliations could exist in, in both camps. But it was the um, the plight of the war against Germany that really um, makes him um, believe that the, the Bolsheviks are the only option. He was one of those journalists, um, and speaking as one who has been in that trade previously, This is occasionally in the wrong place at the right time. And certainly um, he decides to take a sojourn back to England uh, on the 17th of October 1917. And so within a matter of days the provisional government has fallen and he misses the whole thing. Uh, the, The greatest news story potentially of his career, one that is covered by John Reed, whom we'll talk about in a moment... And um, However, when he's back in England, he tells people with great candour that there is no chance that Kerensky, Alexander Kerensky can hold the uh, provisional government together and it is going to collapse and uh, he's shown to be correct. I think it's important to realise that for a journalist in Russia at the time, a uh, country facing uh, starvation and in a condition of... Um, well, uh, heading towards civil war, that it um, took uh, the the job took a heck of a toll on the nerves, and uh, Ransom was physically and mentally exhausted uh, by uh, by 1917. However, when Ransom uh, returned to Russia, um, he became uh, very sympathetic towards the the Bolsheviks. Um, he uh, had close contact with both Lenin and Trotsky, uh, both of whom were happy to talk to him, happy to espouse um, the uh, Bolshevik uh, views on war and the revolution uh, and the uh, counter-revolution that they, they expected. And the um, relationship grew strong enough for um, Ransom to actually marry one of Trotsky's secretaries. He covered the Russian uh, civil war for the Manchester Guardian, but at the same time he had been recruited by MI5 as well. So um, Ransom is an interesting and hard to kind of nail down character, or conflicted uh, loyalties and um, a sense of perhaps a greater, an inflated sense of his own importance. In his early reporting on the October Revolution, which he reported from afar, he has some surprisingly kind of prescient things to say. Um, he pointed out that it was a fairly bloodless affair. and He wrote, The lack of bloodshed during the Bolshevik coup d'etat is due to two causes. Firstly, the comparative unanimity of the classes represented in the Soviet. I'm not sure I agree with that one personally. Um, and secondly, to the fact that the large masses of the population increasingly despair of politics and, though possibly disapproving are willing to stand aside really the um as we've i think we discussed before in this podcast um the point about the october revolution was that there was no one left to defend the provisional government it had not been able to answer any of the the needs of um um of the russian people in another report on the treaty of brest-litovsk he again he manages i think to hit the nail dead on the head Um, And he articulates some of the things that Adam Tooze has recently said in the Deluge on this very topic, where he he wrote in January 1918, I wonder whether the English people realise how great is the matter now at stake and how near we are to witnessing a separate peace between Russia and Germany, which would be a defeat for German democracy in its own country, besides ensuring the practical enslavement of all Russia. A separate peace will be a victory, not for Germany, but for the military caste in Germany it may mean much more than the neutrality of Russia. If we make no move, it seems possible that Germans will ask the, Russian, the Germans will ask the Russians to help them in enforcing the Russian peace terms on the Allies. So Ransom is there, moving towards, whilst being a Bolshevik sympathiser, actually moving towards a position where he was advocating, really, some kind of intervention in Russia. He's saying, you know, if we make no moves... Um so again he he's a very ambiguous figure. Um the question as to whose side he was really on um is is um I suppose it's even the wrong question. Arthur Ransom was um working from his own position of of um what he viewed as kind of correct and moral. Um, and saw perhaps Bolshevism or even uh, an Allied intervention as just tools to to make this possible. So there are always actors during revolutions, uh, be they bystanders or participants or observers, who are not working from any of the official scripts from those of the revolutionary parties or counter-revolutionary forces. Um, And this is to be expected. Revolutions are chaos. Ideas rise and fall constantly throughout revolutionary periods and people have new perspectives on what is possible, what is preferable. Part of Ransom's support for the Bolsheviks comes from uh, his conviction that um, they would at at the very least offer stability in in Russia. Um, And he's kind of surrounded by a a host of um, Western, uh, particularly American,
0: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
1: Businessmen and diplomatic figures um, who see um, the Bolsheviks as offering really the only opportunity of, of a, a, a united front um, against the Germans. During the commencement of the Civil War, a wave of xenophobia, an understandable xenophobia, um, emerges within Russia. Um, the British, uh, Americans and French and Japanese are helping white armies uh, in Russia, and the suspicion that um, British journalists and diplomats are indeed spies, which great many of them were, um, is, is widespread. Ransom made his exit to uh, Sweden... Uh, being reliably informed that he was in serious danger if he didn't do. Uh, And from there he was followed by um, MI6. Um, And they had a a, a key interest in him. They'd been opening his mail for some time. And uh, uh, there had been um, all sorts of speculation from other correspondents who knew him in Russia uh, about his affiliations, and particularly his his critical talk uh, of the British government to the Bolshevik leadership. However, much of this was um, unfair. He was um, threatened with um, exposure by um, Horatio Bottomley of the uh, patriotic magazine John Bull, who threatened to expose him as a Bolshevik spy. But really, throughout the war, he hadn't been a spy, he'd been a conduit, a, a means by which the British Foreign Office could speak with Bolshevik leaders um, and see if there were areas of dialogue, um, negotiations that could be entered into. Um, so, and he had uh, Robert Bruce Lockhart in um, Petrograd had been his wartime uh, wartime handler. So these figures um, often drift from one extreme to another between the peripheries of uh, revolutionary politics and have loyalties back to the other countries, and they can be very useful means of um, uh, establishing dialogue. A much more established journalistic figure who featured in the uh, drama of the October Revolution and who wrote one of the uh, seminal works on it was the American journalist John Reed, who had been uh, kind of an understudy of the radical American journalist Lincoln Steffens and had been uh, on the periphery of progressive politics uh, in america for a long time and john reed perhaps fits more neatly into the the fellow traveler movement he was a a good friend of uh, frida Kirchwey, the editor of the nation uh, magazine and um was part of a, a circle of um overt sympathizers for the bolshevik cause Um, from 1917 onwards. John Reed uh, based much of his um, uh, belief in Bolshevism on uh, radical Labour politics in America that that had developed throughout the 19th century, and he drew comparisons between the two. I'm not sure whether there are um, always valid comparisons to be made, but this is... uh, always always the difficulty between hopping between uh, different different particular contexts. In 1914, he travelled to Europe to cover the First World War for the Masses magazine, a radical publication in New York City, and for the Metropolitan magazine. So he was already um, deeply inured within um, socialist writing and politics, uh, long before the advent of the Russian Revolution, and like um, Lenin, he made the direct link between capitalism and war in uh, when he saw um, the fighting up close in places like uh, Bulgaria. Uh, he became deeply opposed to the conflict and saw it as uh, the uh, the means by which the capitalist classes fought one another u- using um, the the working class. And he wrote in 1916, um, I could fill pages of the horrors that civilised Europe is inflicting upon itself. I could describe to you the quiet, dark, saddened streets of Paris, where every ten feet you are confronted with some miserable wreck of a human being, or a madman who'd lost his reason in the trenches uh, being led around by his wife. The Masses was an anti war publication, and whilst America wasn't in the war, they could get away with it. Um, in 1917, when America joins the war, it becomes under immense pressure to change its editorial stance. Um, the uh, the various uh, laws that were introduced by Woodrow Wilson, uh, again on sedition, um, make it a very difficult time for uh, an anti-war um, journalists. Um, Reed decides to go to Russia. He believes that that Russia, after February 1917, has been the crucible of world events Um, and he he, um, and his wife, Louise Bryant, uh, make their way uh, to Petrograd and they arrive there in September 1917 and um, they are just at the right moment, just as Ransom hadn't been, they are just at the right moment to witness... Uh, the October Revolution, something that Reed instinctively uh, embraced. Um, he wrote admiringly in his book Ten Days That Shook the World of the, uh, the brilliance of Lenin and Trotsky in um, managing to orchestrate the seizure of power. Reid found it all terrifically exciting. He managed to um, interview Kerensky. Uh, he the la- had the last interview with Kerensky before Kerensky Uh, disappeared uh, into exile and he uh, forced his way into the Smolny Institute where the Bolsheviks had their headquarters um, and uh, managed to become acquainted with um, Lenin and Trotsky and Lenin he said he was a short stocky figure with a big head set down in his shoulders, bald and bulging, little eyes and a snubbish nose wide, generous mouth and heavy chin, clean-shaven, but now beginning to bristle with the well-known beard of past and future, dressed in shabby clothes, his trousers much too long for him, unimpressive to be the idol of a mob, loved and revered as perhaps few leaders in history have been, a strange popular leader, a leader purely by virtue of intellect, colourless, humourless, uncompromising and detached, without picturesque idiosyncrasies, but with the power of explaining profound ideas in simple terms, of analysing a concrete situation, and combined with shrewdness and the great intellect, greatest intellectual audacity. Reed was in a lot of trouble under the Espionage Act when he got back to America. Um, he formed, with Earl Browder and others, the American Socialist Party, and he visited, he went back and forth to um, Russia during the 1920s. Um, where he met various radical figures, um, and became um, pivotal in the uh, the communist the establishment of the Communist Party of the United States, and he exists within a period, or in the early nineteen twenties, of crisis for communism. The revolution hasn't spread; it hasn't ignited, and the various revolutions in Bavaria, in Hungary, um, and uh, other places across Europe have failed. Um, the revolutionary moment of 1919 to 1920 uh, doesn't really take off. So Lenin um, suggests that the the thing to do at the Second Party Congress would be for communists to, into communists from across Europe. Um, who had been to Russia to return home and infiltrate social democratic parties like the Labour Party in Britain and the trade union movement and steer them towards communism. So he argued really for entryism. Um, Reed uh, and other members of the Communist Party of the United States don't think this is a good idea, um, and that they were um, largely um, defeated. And Reid then suddenly begins to realise that Lenin has become a dictatorial figure within the Russian and the world communist movement um, and became very disillusioned um, and saw um, in 1920 um, a, a, um, the, the events that he had participated in taking a much darker turn um, he was uh, depressed and um, felt utterly betrayed and that he had given his journalist his journalistic energies to um something that had had now backfired, and he suddenly realized that former colleague comrades such as Zinoviev, and particularly Radek, who was a very good Karl Radek, who was a very good friend of his, were now conspiring against him and using the Russian Soviet press and the left wing press in Europe to um attack him. His wife um met him in Moscow uh, in nineteen twenty. Uh, in September 1920 um, but found that he was profoundly ill and it was um, uh, just eight days later uh, that he was diagnosed with typhus um, and he, uh, he died on the 19th of October 1920. There, even though he had uh, begun to have suspicions about the communist movement, even though he had begun to see it for uh, the let the dictatorship that eventually becomes under Lenin. He's given a state funeral, and he's one of the few uh, non-Russian Soviets to be buried in the Kremlin Wall, along with uh, all the uh, the other great Soviet luminaries. So um, you've got two very different characters, Arthur Ransom and John Reed, um, and they are just a couple of the many um, figures, uh, many journalistic. Uh, figures uh, within um the uh, western journalistic community in russia during the first world war and during the revolution who are um intellectually and politically changed by the revolution and find themselves if not taking sides at least taking stances um influenced very often by their own previous experiences but also by the extraordinary events that they are swept up in that can't help but politicise and um, radicalise people's perspectives. Uh, they, uh, there were journalists in uh, Russia from Western newspapers who were, uh, perhaps a majority even of them, were, were not sympathetic towards the um, the Bolsheviks. A great many of them thought the advent of Bolshevism was a, a great calamity, so, we shouldn't draw from this that um, people like John Reed were in the majority. They certainly weren't. Anyway. I hope you've enjoyed this. Um, we've got some great stuff uh, coming to you soon. We've got a new ebook book out, um, Victorian Politics 1851-1914, to uh, Students' Guide. You can find that on Amazon. I'll be putting a link to it on the website. Um, we've got uh, International Relations 1870-1914, to another Students' Guide. And there should be, um, cause I know because I'm writing it, a new uh, e-book, uh, international Relations, 1918-1939, to 1939, The Causes of the Second World War, Your Questions Answered. Tyrell Eskelson's uh, brilliant draft of um, the American Century, uh, a beginner's guide to everything you need to know about uh, the USA in the 20th century, will be with us fairly shortly, ideally downloadable for Christmas, a uh, special Christmas gift for somebody. Um, so there's a whole bunch going on at the moment, Um, so check it out, you know. Anyway, thanks very much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Bye-bye.